This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. I'm Margaret Brennan in Washington, and this week on Face the Nation, following chaos at the caucuses in Iowa, will the Democratic Party be able to pull it together for New Hampshire and beyond? And after impeachment, relations between Republicans and Democrats hit new lows, and a vindictive President Trump strikes back against people he sees as enemies. Last week, it was the Democrats' turn to deal with disaster as Monday's Iowa caucuses gave Republicans reason to rejoice. The votes are fried. They have no idea who won. They have no idea. He's right about that, as the 2020 Democratic PAC left Iowa behind, hoping for a brighter result from New Hampshire. Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Senator Bernie Sanders appear to have tied in Iowa, and they're now battling for the top spot in the Granite State. We have brand new Battleground Tracker numbers this morning, and we'll talk to both of them. Plus, with impeachment dismissed and emboldened, President Trump took aim at his enemies. Russia, Russia, Russia. It was all bullshit. And launched a stunning attack on both Republican Senator Mitt Romney, who voted to remove him from office, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who had a shocking moment of her own when she tore up the president's State of the Union speech. I don't like people who use their faith as justification for doing what they know is wrong. Nor do I like people who say... I pray for you when they know that that's not so. Then, in apparent retaliation for providing damaging testimony in the impeachment hearings, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman was removed from his National Security Council role, and EU Ambassador Gordon Sondland was recalled from his post. We'll talk to Lindsey Graham, who warned Democrats last week about the fallout from impeachment. What you have done is unleash the partisan forces of hell. Plus, the Chinese ambassador to the U.S., Tsui Tiankai, weighs in on the spread of the coronavirus in an interview you'll see only on Face the Nation. All that and more is just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. We are still not really sure exactly who won Iowa, but CBS News has so far awarded Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders and former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg an equal number of delegates. With just two days from the New Hampshire primary, our CBS News battleground tracker shows the two are at the top in New Hampshire, too. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who won the New Hampshire primary four years ago, is at the very top with 29 percent. Former Mayor Pete Buttigieg is running behind him. He's at 25 percent. We'll have the full results of our poll later on in the broadcast, but we begin with those two top candidates. Senator Bernie Sanders is up first, and he joins us from Manchester. Good morning to you, Senator. 
Good morning, Margaret. How do you plan to keep that edge and win on Tuesday? We are running all over the state. We're talking to as many people as we can. We're talking about what our agenda is, which is an agenda that speaks for the working families of this country, an agenda that is prepared to take on the powerful special interests that have so much influence over the economic and political life of our country. And, by the way, we're going to contrast our views with Mayor Buttigieg. Uh, And one of the areas of contrast, to be honest with you, uh, is that last count, he has about 40 billionaires who are contributing to his campaign, the heads of uh, the CEOs of the large pharmaceutical industries and the insurance companies and so forth. Why does uh, that matter? Well, on the other hand, oh, it matters enormously. That is precisely the problem with American politics. When you have the heads of large pharmaceutical companies contributing to your campaign, you are not going to aggressively deal with the fact that in some cases we pay 10 times more for the same exact drugs as our friends in Canada or in Europe pay. You're not going to take on the collusion and the corruption of the drug companies who are ripping us off every single day. One out of five Americans cannot even afford the prescription drugs their doctors prescribe. Mm -hmm. So do you really think that when somebody gets contributions from the CEOs of drug companies, they're going to stand up to the greed and corruption uh, of that industry? I don't think so. But it's not only the pharmaceutical industry. But when you were standing on that that debate stage on Friday, you said that Democrats would come together and support a nominee. Are you saying Bernie Sanders will support Pete Buttigieg if he ends up being the nominee? Or even Mike Bloomberg, a billionaire himself? No, I did not say that at all. I think all of them will be far preferable to Donald Trump, who is the most dangerous and corrupt president in the modern history of this country. We have got to defeat Trump. Sorry, to be clear, you would support either of them if they end up being the nominee. Margaret, I have said from the first day of this campaign that it is absolutely imperative that we defeat Donald Trump. Of course I will support who the Democratic nominee is. But in the Democratic primary process, I will distinguish myself, differentiate myself from the other candidates. And one of the areas that Mm -hmm. that I differentiate myself is we have raised more campaign contributions from more Americans averaging all of $18.50 than any candidate in the history of this country. Your campaign reported some inconsistencies in the results out in Iowa, as did two other campaigns. Um, Columnist Peggy Noonan wrote this. They can't run a tiny caucus in a tiny state, but they want us to believe they can reinvent American health care. How damaging is it that the Democrats couldn't get this right? It is damaging, and 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 it really saddens me because, you know, I went all over the state of Iowa, and they're beautiful people, good people, who take their responsibility seriously. And the fact that the Iowa Democratic Party that has received all kinds of money could not count those votes in a timely manner is really a sad state of affairs. Right, but you're advocating for the empowerment of the U.S. government to take over the entire health care system. Uh, this just optically no, looks hold it, like hold it. the Margaret, party Margaret, can't Margaret, run its own Margaret, caucus. Margaret, that's not a true statement. I'm not advocating for the United States government to take over the health care system. What I am advocating for is an expansion of Medicare. Medicare exists. Right. I want to expand it over a four-year period. Which would be administered by period. the U.S. government. Precisely, just as Medicare is right now. But, it, but it's not a takeover. People will still go to the same doctor. They'll go to the same hospital. We will substantially lower the cost of prescription drugs. The cost per person will go down. Right, People will be paying less for But it's not a the, takeover. The nub of the criticism, though, is that this is a question of competency. And straight out of the gate, how do you reassure the public uh, that the party whose ticket you are okay. running on... Um, can do this and do this successfully in the states ahead. Nevada is already well, saying uh, when it comes to their caucuses, they're short of volunteers. Our campaign reporter says they're short a thousand caucus chairs and they might have to even hold two caucuses at once. This doesn't look efficient. Well, all right, that may well be the case, but let's get back to the United States government. I'm not the chair of the Nevada Democratic Party. You told my colleague Nora O'Donnell recently on CBS um, that you couldn't put a price tag on your health care plan and your proposals. But I want to ask you for some clarity here, because back in July, you told The Washington Post, Medicare for all would cost between 30 to $40 trillion over 10 right. years. Do you still trust right. those numbers and those estimates? Sure. All that I said, the answer is yes. But all that I said is anybody who tells you what anything is going to cost in health care 
It's, it's not telling you the truth. There is so much. It's so big. If we do nothing, so it's not the health thirty and human to forty services, trillion over a ten-year period. Okay. Sure. I mean, the, the problem is we are already spending about fifty percent of healthcare dollars already come from the federal government. We got to add the other fifty percent. But here's the main point that people should appreciate: if we do nothing, according to Health and Human Services. We're going to be spending $50 trillion. We spend twice as much per capita on health care as do the people of Canada or Europe. So, of course, we can provide health care to all people spending less than we are doing now because we're going to end mm-hmm. the $100 billion in profiteering that goes to the drug companies, that goes to the okay. insurance companies, and the hundreds of billions of dollars in administration of thousands of separate plans, an enormously complicated and wasteful system. Senator Sanders, thank you for your time. We now turn to former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg. He's at his campaign headquarters in Manchester. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. According to our latest figures, you're about four points behind Senator Bernie Sanders. How do you close the gap and make the argument that moderates should vote for you and not Joe Biden? Well, New Hampshire is a state that likes to think for itself, and we'll be engaging Democrats as well as a lot of undeclared voters and maybe a handful of Republicans who who know that they won't agree with me on everything but are just sick of looking their kids in the eye and trying to defend or explain this presidency. Uh, That kind of hard work we'll be putting in all the way until polls close on Tuesday, and we're confident that it's going to lead to a, a great night. Well, you also have to throw a few elbows here back at Bernie Sanders, who basically is calling you a little inauthentic. He's going after some of uh, your financial base, saying you've got at least 40 billionaires with ties to the pharmaceutical industry, other big money interests. He's basically saying you're bought and paid for. How do you respond to that? Well, I've never hesitated to stand up to industry. We sued Uh, the pharmaceutical industry, when opioid opioid makers ravaged our community. And I'm campaigning right now for higher taxes for the wealthy and for corporations to finally have to pay their fair share. And my campaign has been built from the grassroots. We have hundreds of thousands of supporters, most of whom went on PeteForAmerica.com and chipped in a few bucks because they share this vision that we have for the future. You know, being the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, is not an establishment powerhouse. We're here because this message, this vision that I'm offering is connecting with voters of all backgrounds. And at a time like this, if somebody is ready to help us put together the campaign that's going to defeat Donald Trump, then I welcome that support. No matter how they voted in the past, no matter if they've got a lot of money or not, uh, I want their help because let me tell you, Donald Trump and his allies right now are doing everything they can to hold on to power. They just raised 25 million bucks in a day. We need to go into that fight with everything that we've got. And I'm not going to define my campaign by whose help we reject or whose support we turn away. This is a moment to bring everybody that we can into common cause, just as we have to unify the country after we do win. Joe Biden says you're unelectable, inexperienced, and today said you're unable to unify the black community. He also released a digital ad. Let's listen. Joe Biden helped save the auto industry, which revitalized the economy of the Midwest and led the passage and implementation of the Recovery Act, saving our economy from a depression. Pete Buttigieg revitalized the sidewalks of downtown South Bend by laying out decorative brick. And both Biden and Buttigieg have made hard decisions. Despite pressure from the NRA, Joe Biden passed the assault weapons ban through Congress. Then he passed the Violence Against Women Act. And even when public pressure mounted against him, former Mayor Pete fired the first African-American police chief of South Bend. And then he forced out the African-American fire chief, too. How do you respond to that? Well, it's a typical political attack that doesn't tell most of the story. It makes no mention of the work that we did, for example, in my administration, uh, appointing the first African-American top lawyer for the city, uh, helping the first citywide executive African-American woman get elected in South Bend, and really minimizing the experience of my city. And I know that uh, a lot of mayors are speaking up today uh, about uh, the idea that what happens in communities doesn't count. 
Maybe well, my community does look good, from, uh, does look small from the perspective of Washington. But to us, a lot of times it's the infighting in the Washington establishment right. that looks small. And the work that we're doing on the ground in communities that are tired of being treated as a Washington punchline. Lastly, uh, how do you instill confidence in the public that the Democratic Party uh, can run this election with integrity, given the confusion that just happened in Iowa? Well, the delay was frustrating. I imagine nobody had more cause to be frustrated than I did. But uh, at the end of the day, this is about voters standing up and talking about and voting for the future that they want. It's voters asking the question, how's my life going to be different, depending which president that we get? And uh, for all the, uh, uh, the party uh, behind-the-scenes uh, uh, machinery, what matters most at the end of the day is that the American people are going to send a statement. And the majority that we have right now, not just unified around wanting a different and better president than mm -hmm. Donald Trump, but even more importantly, unified around what we're for, having corporations pay their fair share, raising wages, acting on climate change, getting everybody health care, delivering paid family leave, acting on gun violence. Right. These are America's priorities. But Tom Perez, who is head of the, the DNC, Tom Perez, who's head of the DNC, is saying that perhaps uh, the National Party should be taking more of a role here. That's uh, not instilling a lot of confidence about these local officials. What do you think? I'll, I'll let the party work on uh, what the party does. I'm focused on uh, what we need to do with the powers of the American presidency to change the trajectory of this country before it is too late. And I believe that there is a strong enough majority for what we seek to do, that there will be an unambiguous, decisive result, not just to end the Trump presidency, but to put Trumpism itself in the history books. If, and only if, we have a platform and a, and a campaign based on unity and belonging. It's why uh, I'm concerned about a message that says that either you're for a revolution or you must be for the status quo. Most Americans don't know where they fit in that story. I'm offering a different approach, and that's clearly serving us well, and we're going to be on the ground connecting with as many New Hampshire voters as possible in these remaining hours to make that case and earn that win. All right. We'll be watching. Thank you, Mayor Pete. And we'll be back in one minute with Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We turn now to the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Lindsey Graham. Senator, good morning to good you. Good morning. Uh, the president's up. He's watching, apparently, because he sent out a tweet this morning about you appearing on this program. He said, deface the nation will tell Lindsey Graham they must start up the judiciary and not stop. I'm not exactly sure quite what that means, but it sounds like he's giving you marching orders. <laughs> I think what he's talking about is oversight of the FISA warrant system that failed. I can promise the president and your viewers that I'm going to call witnesses about... Foreign about, surveillance. Yeah, the, uh, the Horowitz report. You know, McCabe, Comey, uh, Rosenstein, Yates, how did you miss it so badly? How could you issue four warrants against an American citizen based on information that was unreliable? Uh, but here's what I want to tell the president. I'm not going to be the Republican Christopher Steele. So Rudy Giuliani last night said he's got the goods on Hunter Biden. I called the attorney general this morning and Richard Burr, the chairman of the Intel Committee, and they told me take very cautiously anything coming out of the Ukraine against anybody. So what I will do is I will get to the bottom how the FISA warrant system failed and make sure we reform it. It doesn't happen again. I think questions about the conflict of interest uh, regarding Hunter Biden and the Ukraine need to be asked. 
the State Department had warnings and they ignored the conflict of interest. The whistleblower uh, episode needs to be investigated by Richard Burr. But if Rudy Giuliani has any information coming out of the Ukraine, he needs to turn it over to the Department of Justice because it could be Russian propaganda. You, last time you were on this program, though, uh, in December, you said Giuliani should come to the Judiciary Committee with what he said was a suitcase full of documents he picked up in Ukraine yeah. on the Bidens. Are you saying you don't want any part of this anymore? After talking to the Attorney General and the Intelligence Chairman that any documents coming out of the Ukraine against any American, Republican or Democrat, need to be looked at by the intelligence services who has expertise I don't because Russia is playing us all like a fiddle and Christopher Steele was played by the Russians. That started the Russian investigation against President right. Trump. It was all garbage. Are you and saying I don't Rudy want to Giuliani, do the same thing. Rudy Giuliani is getting played by the I Russians? I don't know. I'm saying that the attorney... Well, it sounds like that's what you're suggesting. I'm saying that anybody who's got any information coming from the Ukraine needs to turn it over to the intelligence community. Uh, as to Senator Schumer warning Parnas in the audience... If you don't understand that this is Parnas, one of Rudy Giuliani's business yeah, associates, crooked as a snake, facing indictment. So Schiff gets called by a Russian hoaxer. I've got photos of President Trump in a compromised situation. To every American politician, you should be very cautious about receiving information coming out of the Ukraine right. and other countries that may be backed by Russian misinformation. Does the president know that? Uh, he, I, I he, hope so. Apparently, well, uh, if he's watching the show, here's, what I, would, here's what I would tell the president. Here. I'm going to get to the bottom of the FISA warrant process because it was an abuse of power of the Department of Justice, the FBI. And we're going to make sure that Hunter Biden's conflict of interest is explored because it's legitimate. How could Joe Biden really fight corruption when his son's sitting on the Burisma board? Uh, but can you clarify? You said you talked to Attorney General Barr. This morning. This morning. Has the Department of Justice been ordered to investigate the Bidens? No. The Department of Justice is receiving information coming out of the Ukraine from Rudy. Already? To, to see. He told me that they've created a process that Rudy could give information and they would see if it's verified. Rudy Giuliani is a well-known man. He's a crime fighter. He's loyal to the president. He's a uh, good lawyer. But what I'm trying to say to the president and anybody else that the Russians are still up to it. Deterrence is not working. So let's look at Hunter Biden's conflict. Let's look at Joe Biden. Vice President Biden, what did you do when they told you your son was on Burisma's board? It undercut your ability to fight corruption. Did you take it seriously? Obviously he didn't. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to documents coming out of the Ukraine to Republicans and Democrats, be very cautious. Turn but anything the, you got over the intel community. Have you ever said to the president when he repeats things like the idea that there's the DNC server, server hidden in Ukraine, that this is Russian propaganda that he is repeating and apparently believing? Well, have you ever I'll, said that directly to him? Well, I don't have any information about the server being in the Ukraine. But and you it just was said the things coming out of Ukraine should be looked at with high Here's scrutiny because of Russian interference. It was the Russians who hacked into the DNC, not the Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. But there are people in the Ukraine that were pulling against Trump because they hated Manafort. To suggest there was no political interference coming out of the Ukraine directed toward the president, I think would be, would not withstand scrutiny. When you have a role as chairman of Senate Judiciary to have oversight yeah. uh, of Justice I'm Department. I'm not in charge of the whole government. Uh, I understand that. <laughs> However, um, when you're talking about being asked to do these things and a channel being opened between Rudy Giuliani and the Justice Department, this sounds a lot like this is in some ways a taxpayer-funded oppo research operation yeah. against Joe Biden. Isn't this exactly what was at the heart of the uh, impeachment probe to begin with? No, not at all. There are plenty of people being contacted by folks from the Ukraine. Adam Schiff got contacted by somebody he thought to be a Russian. He was willing to get on a plane, apparently, and go find the documents. Schumer believes that Parnas has got the goods. Parnas says, I'm in on it. I've never met Parnas. So Democrats are being played, and I'm not going to be played. So we're going to look at the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden connection to the Ukraine. We're going to ask the State Department, why didn't you do something about the conflict of interest? Mm -hmm. When the uh, John Kerry's chief of staff was warned about Hunter Biden's conflict on Burisma, right. what did you do, if anything? That's all legitimate. Rudy says he's got the goods. All I can tell Rudy and anybody else, if you got some information 
connected to the Ukraine against anybody, go to the Intel Committee, not me. Yep, you don't want a part of it right now. We need to finish this conversation because okay. you brought up a number of things. So we're going to have to take a quick break. I do want to to say, though, that uh, to this point, nothing has been in any way substantiated in regard to corruption when it comes to Joe Biden himself. His son served on the board and was paid for I it. I just think the media is so in the tank over this issue, it makes no, me sick to my stomach. You just we'll said, talk about it in a minute. Right, but you were saying it needs to be investigated. Yeah, nobody's investigated. No CBS hadn't sent one reporter. To Ukraine? Yeah, I don't think you take it seriously. We are. That's why we're taking a break, and I'm coming back to talk to you about it on the other side of it. So stay with us, all of you. Senator Graham is going to stay with us. We'll continue in a few moments. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to Face the Nation. We continue our conversation now with South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. Uh, Senator, we were talking about uh, the president's tweet this morning, the requests that have been made of you in terms of continuing investigations. Um, This morning on Fox, Rudy Giuliani uh, is continuing to say, quote, you are telling him, not my job, not my job, man. When it comes to information, he says he's handing over. You were just saying that any information coming out of Ukraine needs to be dealt with carefully and skeptically because it's likely the product of some kind of Russian intelligence operation. Have we learned anything from Christopher Steele dossier? It was all a bunch of garbage fed to Christopher Steele to go after Trump. And that's what you think Rudy Giuliani is delivering garbage? I don't know. I'm telling Schumer, don't vouch for Parnas. Don't put him in the gallery. I'm telling Rudy, you think you got the goods? Don't give it to me because what do we know? We know that the Russian disinformation campaign was used against President Trump. They hacked into the DNC uh, system, not the Ukrainians, Mm -hmm. and they're on the ground all over the world trying to affect democracy all over the world. Who's paying Rudy Giuliani? Uh, I don't know. Here's my message to Rudy. If you've got something coming from the Ukraine, turn it over to the intelligence people, the Department of Justice, to any Democrat. You think Parnas has got something on me? Well, then go to the Department of Justice and the Intel Committee. Do not pass this stuff on. Okay. Um, I want to ask you as well, because you have served in the U.S. Air Force. You are a military uh, lawyer, a JAG. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you support President Trump's decision to dismiss Alex Vindman, the lieutenant colonel who was serving on the National Security Council, who was compelled by a subpoena to go under oath and testify against the president. I think his reassignment was justified. I don't think he could be effective at the NSC. As much as I support our military people telling the truth when asked, it's important they do. What have I learned in the last two years? CIA agents, Department of State, Department of Justice lawyers, FBI agents have a political agenda, and they acted on it. We found that out through the FISA investigation. As to Colonel Vindeman, he was not allowed to be asked questions about his connection to the alleged whistleblower, to people working on shifts. He was asked, and he denied. No, he was not. They did did not allow him. They did not allow the Republicans to go down that road. His brother was also marched out of the White House. His brother also serves in the military and had no no connection to this Nobody knows this. I can promise you this. He's never been asked questions. Did you leak to the whistleblower? People in his chain of command have been suspicious of him regarding his political point of view. The National Security Advisor to the President sat in the chair you're sitting in last week and said he was confident that there were no leaks from the National Security Council. Well, I am not. I want the man to be asked about what he did with the information. I appreciate his service, but there are FBI agents who took the law in their own hands. There are CIA agents who took the law in their own hands. There are Department of Justice lawyers who lied to the court. There's been a movement since President Trump was elected by people in our government to take him down. Because the president has tweeted basically saying that Vindman was forced out 
not because of he is, any kind of policy issue, not because of anything else, well, except Margaret, for get, uh, what he said was listening in on his phone calls and giving horrendous We're report. not going to be intimidated in, against asking this, questions somebody, to the whistleblower. Who is the whistleblower? He is an officer, and he is not allowed to speak out on his own behalf. Neither are his fellow military officers he allowed to do down. so. I don't know what role he played with the whistleblower, Finney, but we're going to look. I like Joe Biden. He's a fine man, but we're not going to give you a pass. Should Gordon Sondland have been fired as well? He's a political appointee. He serves at the pleasure of the president. He came before the country of and course, under oath. But it was gave, retaliation. Gave, gave the story as he, as he said it. We're not going to live in a world where the Department of Justice, the CIA, and the FBI can cut corners, go after Trump, and nobody gives a damn. As to Colonel Veneman, thank you for your service. But I'm going to, hopefully somebody will ask questions of you about the role you played with the whistleblower, if any. And if there's nothing there, fine. All right. Senator Graham. Thank you for joining us this morning. When we come back, a rare interview with the Chinese ambassador to the U.S. We will ask him about the coronavirus. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. We want to take a closer look at efforts to contain the now over 37,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus in China, where the death toll stands at at least 811. Joining us to talk more about the virus is China's ambassador to the U.S., uh, welcome to Face the Nation, Ambassador Sui. Thank you. Our condolences for these Thank you very much. hundreds of fatalities. Yeah. Why hasn't the virus been contained? Well, you see, this is a new virus. So virtually very few people knew anything about it at the beginning. That's how people are still learning to discover more about the virus and how it affects people and the channels of infections and trying their best to stop it. The U.S. has offered repeatedly to send CDC experts, American experts, to help out. Why does Beijing continue to ignore those offers? I don't think it's been ignored. First of all, we have... But you haven't said yes. Well, we, we welcome the American experts to participate in our efforts. And we are coordinating with the World Health Organization because a lot of things are done under the auspices of the World Health Organization. We certainly welcome American experts to join the experts group that the WHO is assembling. And I'm sure they will be going to China very soon. You th- expect Americans to be there as part of the WHO, but you don't the, want the CDC the, there? The, the, first of all, American experts are on the list recommended by the WHO. We certainly respect, I think all of us respect the WHO as the most professional intergovernmental body in the world. And for the U.S. CDC, they have very frequent regular contact with their Chinese counterpart, the Chinese CDC. And even beyond that, some American experts have come to China already on their own individual basis. So there is ongoing contact, not only between the two governments, but also between the two CDCs and between the uh, uh, academic institutions and even some American companies are also offering help, technical help. Well, I, I asked the question because it also gets at there's a lot of unknown and a lot yes. of suspicion because of that. And in fact, this week, uh, Senator Tom Cotton, who sits on the Senate Intelligence and Armed Services Committee, suggested that the virus may have come from China's biological warfare program. That's an extraordinary charge. How do you respond to that? I think it's true that a lot is still unknown. And our scientists, Chinese scientists, American scientists, scientists of other countries, are doing their best to learn more about the virus. But it's very harmful, it's very dangerous to stir up suspicion, rumors, and spread them among the people. For one thing, this will create panic. Another thing is that it will fend up 
racial discrimination, xenophobia, all these things that will really harm our joint efforts to combat the virus. Of course, there are all kinds of speculations and rumors. There are people who are saying that these viruses are coming from some military lab, not of China, maybe in the United States. How can we believe all these crazy things? You think it's crazy. Where did the virus Absolutely come from? Absolutely crazy. Where did the virus come from? We still don't know yet. It's probably, according to some initial outcome of the research, probably coming from some animals. But we have to, to discover more about it. Um, there has been some outcry on social media, particularly after the death uh, of Dr. Li Wenliang. Yeah. He had made public warnings for weeks before the government acknowledged this was happening. In fact, authorities had forced him to disavow what he had said previously, which turned out to be true. The Communist Party of China is now investigating this. Why? Well, we are all very saddened about the death of Dr. Li. He is a good doctor. He was a devoted doctor, and he did his best to protect people's health. We are so grateful to him. But you see, he was a doctor, and a doctor could be alarmed by some individual cases. But as for the government, you have to do more. You have to base your decisions, your announcement, on more solid evidence and science. Would you think silencing him in the beginning was a mistake? I, I don't know who tried to silence him, but there was certainly a disagreement, or people were not able to reach agreement on what exactly the virus is, mm -hmm. how it is affecting people. So there was a process of trying to discover more, to learn more about the virus. Maybe some people reacted not quickly enough. Maybe Dr. Lee, he perceived some incoming dangers mm -hmm. earlier than others. But this is this could happen anywhere. But whenever we find there's some shortcoming, yeah. we'll do our best to correct it. Have Chinese authorities detained the citizen journalist Chen Chishu? He has disappeared, and his videos revealed a lot of what was happening with this virus. I'm sorry, I have not never heard of this guy, so I don't have any information to share with you. His videos are how the rest of the world has seen some of the images of what's happening. Um, I want to also ask you quickly... Secretary of State Mike Pompeo gave an extraordinary speech yesterday to uh, a number of governors from all around the United States, and he harshly criticized the Chinese Communist Party, and he said that your country is targeting states, cities, schools, academic institutions to try to figure out how to exploit them. What exactly is the intention of the Chinese government? Because the Secretary of State says it's not good. I always believe the real foundation of China-U.S. relations is the friendship and mutual understanding between our peoples. So this is the root of state-to-state -state relations. And there's such an enthusiasm among American states, cities and towns, and ordinary Americans to learn more about China, to develop friendship with Chinese people, mm -hmm. to facilitate cooperation between the two countries. I don't, I don't think anybody has any reason to against the will of the people. Well, he specifically referenced uh, concentration camps in Xinjiang. He talked about American institutions inadvertently investing in surveillance of Muslim minorities. Do you want to respond to that point? That's totally wrong. That's totally wrong. Because the core issue in Xinjiang is how to combat terrorism. You see, some years ago, until most recently, people in Xinjiang were victims mm -hmm. to rising terrorist, uh, terrorist attacks. There were thousands of such attacks, hurting and even killing hundreds of thousands of people. So we have to do something to stop this threat mm -hmm. to the very well-being and the lives of the people there. Okay. So with our tremendous efforts, now for the last three years, yeah. there has been no such terrorist attack. So people have a much better safety there, security there, and people are happy there. All right. Ambassador?
Thank you for telling your side of the story. We will be right back with new numbers from our CBS News Battleground Tracker. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We turn now to some political analysis from our panel. Jeffrey Goldberg is the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic. Leslie Sanchez is a CBS News political contributor. Jamal Simmons is a host on Hill TV and also CBS News political contributor. And Jerry Seib is the executive Washington editor at The Wall Street Journal. It is great to have you all here. Uh, I want to get to the new poll numbers, but first, I think we need to digest some of what we just heard. We had two pretty substantial interviews. Jeffrey, the Chinese ambassador uh, at the tail end of our interview uh, said people in Xinjiang, China, are very happy. Mm. To be clear, the U.S. government says there are between one and three million Muslim minorities in camps. The Pentagon's called them concentration camps. Right. How do we, knowing that kind of denial Mm -hmm. of what is established fact, how do we understand everything he told us? Uh, Well, what you have to understand is that the Chinese government is lying about the nature of what's happening in these camps. When you take between one and three million people of a particular ethnic group against their will and concentrate them in prison camps for re-education, it seems like a fair thing to say that that's a concentration camp. Um, The Chinese ambassador is arguing that the people are happy. I would simply suggest that you should let the international media in to these camps and we'll go ask them ourselves. I will take them up on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. that we're, on road, we're on a panel road trip. Yes, yeah, there yeah, we yeah. go. Um, it, it is, I, I just, I wanted to make sure we didn't leave that there. Um, Jerry, I, I want to pick up with you on some of what we heard from Senator Graham yeah. as well. That The president sent that tweet right as the show went on the air. It was directly aimed at one of our guests who he knew mm-hmm. was going to be <laughs> appearing, um, What did you make of what Lindsey Graham said he was willing to do and what the president seemed to be asking him to do? Well, I think, first of all, we're at kind of an awkward transition point here in which uh, we're moving beyond impeachment and beyond the Mueller report, potentially, but the president doesn't really want to. He wants some retribution. You saw that over the weekend with the firing of witnesses. Uh, And he wants to know who's the whistleblower, and he wants the Bidens investigated. And I think Lindsey Graham was saying, hold on. Let's not go down that path. Don't turn me into the Republican Party's Christopher Steele, as you said here. And so I think you have the emergence of some tension within the Trump coalition about whether we really want to continue going down this path or whether maybe it's time to declare victory and move on. Leslie, I mean, doesn't that get back at the heart of what this impeachment inquiry was about, which was this question of things being aimed with taxpayer dollars and actually being part of a political opposition research arm rather than what they are officially called. Well, that's particularly the case with FISA, right? And the president has strong grounds to stand on when he was saying that there was an extension beyond what it should have been. But particularly, I think you have to look at it from a political lens. The president knows that there is a lot of, uh, he, he called it witch hunts, he called it corruption, that he wants illuminated. He wants more transparency. And he's really relying on the Senate to do that. that independence, I know we we talk about this, politically it works. Politically it's part of an effort that galvanizes and really it's building a cohesive base that's behind the president wanting to illuminate these issues. It's amazing to me that they want to illuminate issues in the United States Senate when they refuse to call witnesses in the midst of an impeachment trial where we were having real-time information coming out in the press for people to find out about what the president was up to. At the same time, we're seeing the president now begin to punish witnesses who came forward, fired people from their jobs, moved them out of the way. Um, I think we're now seeing Donald Trump unleashed, and it is as frightening as people thought it And you believe these investigations or calls for them will continue as long as Joe Biden stays in this presidential race? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll move on to someone else. And it may not be the Ukrainians, but they'll find somewhere else to go after Pete Buttigieg or Michael Bloomberg or whoever becomes the Democratic frontrunner. The the, the pattern in Washington is to move on, but Donald Trump doesn't move on. And that's what we're going to see in the next few months. 
Joe Biden, we'll see how he fares on Tuesday, but he didn't really have a very good week, at least kind of rocky start, certainly out in Iowa. Um, you know, he, he was thought to be at least in the top three. I, I want and was a distant fourth. In our most recent battleground tracker numbers, I want to tell you the current rankings. Bernie Sanders, as we mentioned, top spot 29%. Pete Buttigieg, 25%. Third, Elizabeth Warren at 17%. Then Biden, 12%. Then Amy Klobuchar, 10%. Um, And this survey in the field before the debate. So we'll see. These numbers are fluid. Uh, up in New Hampshire, um, where the poll was conducted. Um, what, what do we make of this? I mean, Joe Biden's still in the fourth spot here, Jamal. Uh, he is. And I got to tell you, when I take a look at this and I see Joe Biden in fourth place in Iowa, I see him perhaps coming in in fourth place in New Hampshire. I'm not sure what happens in Nevada, but there's this sense that he's going to hold on in South Carolina. And that just defies all political logic. Each one of these things is building on each other. Um, I think the voters he's counting on, those older African-American voters in South Carolina, are paying attention to what's happening in these early states. And if he looks like they're, they're with them because they think he's a winner, and if he's not winning, I'm not sure how they hold on to that. Um, the other thing that we know here is that Elizabeth Warren seems to be overperforming her poll numbers, but with her organization. So that means she's probably in third place. Maybe she comes up a little bit better. Um, and Bernie Sanders, though, is probably going to win another one of these states, which means that Democrats in D.C. and around the country are going to be really wrestling with what to do next. And, Leslie, is that the Republican sort of best wish, best hope to have Bernie Sanders be the nominee? Absolutely, because the contrast will be very stark. And I want to go back to this impeachment issue, Jamal, with all all due respect on that issue. The one thing that it did do from a political standpoint is it accelerated the campaign, not only in organizing the president's message, which has proven to be very particularly effective, but it's also increased the negatives on the Hunter Biden issue that you're seeing kind of the the down, uh, the effect real politic with Joe Biden, and I don't know if he's going to be able to survive that. It's been very impactful, but money. They raised $117 million, meaning the Trump campaign and the apparatus, just within the time of impeachment. So while the party is very organized around this message and around, uh, you know, the contrast to that, the Democrats are, are obviously very fractured, and you, you know, can speak more about that. Jeffrey, the president essentially launched his own reelection on the floor of the state, giving the State of the Union address this week. Um, prior to that, he had the big Super Bowl ad. He seems to be making, I want you to weigh in on this too, Jamal, he seems to be making a push uh, at trying to build uh, support among minorities in yeah. particular. He thinks that he that's winnable for him. He's really focused on that in his ads, and he was focused on it in his language at the State of the right. Union. Right. He was not only launching his re-election campaign, it seemed like he was also launching a new reality TV show. At the same time, it was an amazing thing to watch, given for people who've watched State of the Unions in the past. Um, yes, there's, there's a very concerted effort um, to work on African-American votes. That's through, the, through various uh, prison reform, uh, judicial reform, uh, issues. Uh, you know, he doesn't do terribly poorly with uh, Latino males uh, in some in some parts of the country. Um, you know, we've all said this in a million different ways. Take away Twitter from Donald Trump. Take away some of the, the extra meanness uh, and, and focus the message. He could reach uh, certain minority communities, people of color, in, in, in ways that he's not. And I'm wondering if he has the discipline to keep this pivot going or the next time someone, a person of color, annoys him, he goes out of his way to attack them and remind people what his record is on questions of race. But he, there's definitely an effort. I'm going to send this flag up to the Democratic Party. People need to understand this. We talked to Terrence Woodbury, who's a a young African-American pollster. He has been saying for months that he thinks Trump is going very hard at African-American men, particularly younger African-American men, Kim and Kanye West, uh, ASAP Rocky getting out of Sweden, uh, HBCU money. He's got a whole list of things the president has been doing. I think they're not going to let up. And he doesn't have to win it. He just has to tick it up a couple of points in some key places to have it count. And Democrats need to have a candidate who really has a strategy about how to deal with that. And if Bernie Sanders is not the nominee, I will tell you, a lot of those, a lot of Bernie Sanders voters are anti-establishment voters more than they're Democrats, mm-hmm. and they might get wooed by Donald and, Trump. And this also comes at a time when the hottest Democratic presidential candidate happens to be Pete Buttigieg, who has noticeable problems with the African-American community, so maybe there's a kind of a harmonic convergence here. But I also wanted to add that the other person who had a great week this week was Michael Bloomberg, right? Mm-hmm. So the scenario that's unfolding right now is got to 
to be exactly the one that Bloomberg had in mind when he got into the race late. A fade by Joe Biden, a growing concern within the Democratic Party about nominating somebody as liberal as Bernie Sanders, and a really resilient President Trump emerging as a threat to win re-election. That's the Bloomberg formula, and it's all kind of fallen into place this week. So he's sitting on the sideline right now listening to everything we're talking about and saying, well, that was kind of my bargain when I got in. All right. Thanks to all of you you for helping us digest it all. That's it for us today. Thank you for watching. Our apologies to Anthony Salvanto. Our Battleground Tracker segment can be seen on CBSN and our website. Really important numbers, very timely. We thank Anthony for all he does for Face the Nation. Until next week, for Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests are Democratic presidential candidates Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, and Chinese ambassador to the U.S., Shui Chin Kai. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter and Instagram. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our digital network, CBSN, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 6 p.m. Eastern every Sunday. If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.